The Daniel Ruiz Tyson Podcast. Hey, how you doing? This is the Daniel Ruiz Tyson Podcast with me, Daniel Ruiz Tyson. We've had our Christ Years show 33 this week, Thursday the 3rd of November 2011. Coming to you, as always, from SW8. Love, loss and lattes. Lots of uh, lattes. Looking um, looking at the audio uh, quality here on screen, I'm using a different laptop this week. Uh, laptop disasters are plenty this week, more of which later. So uh, you might hear some audio difference this week, and I'm not saying it's going to be in a positive way. I'm certainly going to have to do a, a, a lot of work to get this uh broadcast uh get this up to broadcast quality this uh this isn't looking good and yeah you heard right i'm never i'm never going bald though uh, i would rather go bald than meet the neighbors which is uh what's happened uh, today and why i'm having to record earlier than normal i'm not a big fan of recording daytime um i like to have the whole day to look back on and talk about but Here's the thing, I think, uh, given that I was caught aiding a small child um, to climb into the bin on my behalf to rescue my shoe and the casserole dish, I probably have enough to talk about, I would think. And let me explain, uh, because here's what happens once a week. Uh, Moving back to this area, uh, I'm living close to my aunt, Uh, regular listeners will know that, she's just down the road. And every week, very early on into my returning uh, to this area, to SW8. Uh, somehow we've gotten into the routine where, whereby I get a call, usually the only call that I get on my landline that's actually for me, uh, and it'll be my aunt uh, telling me that there's dinner ready for me to collect. It's kind of like Meals on Wheels, but in reverse. It's a case of the young getting their food from the old. And uh, it's given to me in a casserole dish i wash the dish afterwards i take it back for my next meal the following week which i'm you know i'm grateful for and the food is of a reasonably high standard but today i've been uh distracted unfocused all week to be honest uh i think once i do my writing in the morning i seem to have a problem with the rest of the day and uh you know, I've been in a cafe by eight in the morning. I've been getting to bed late. I'm I'm sleeping bad. I'm 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 feeling not so much tired as jaded. Um, damaged my elbow this week, uh, and I'm not sure how. So I've not been working out. I've been trying to be sensible. Just been taking painkillers, trying to deal with that. So my mood has been determined by my writing, which isn't good. I've been working hard on the book in the mornings. But uh, yeah, I certainly don't like the idea that the writing is uh, determining my mood. Uh, If I had recorded yesterday, certainly yesterday afternoon, this would have been a a great show in terms of, you know, the energy I had. I mean, I was absolutely flying yesterday. Today, I don't know. I I wasn't as happy with the piece I wrote today. Uh, And I think also, you know, it troubles me that I'm not prioritizing. Uh, The priority has to be ending the sabbatical. Instead, I'm caught up in the excitement of, completing the book uh, which I'm due to finish on a specific date next month anyway my aunt calls I have another meal waiting to be collected I get told bring the casserole dish I'm ready to bring the casserole dish I'm I'm, I'm sufficiently organized I bag it up at the same time I bag up my recycling 
I step outside into the uh, into the yard, uh, empty the recycling. In fact, no, actually, I emptied the other bag first. And you guessed it, you know, I've, I've, I've chucked out the casserole dish by mistake. And I'm thinking, how and where do I go to replace this? How much is it going to cost me? How many lattes is that? Will that mean I can't get the observer at the weekend? So I make the decision to climb into the bin. I know it's not the decision of a, of a, a person thinking clearly. It was, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's been chucking it down with rain probably since the late morning. I come back into the flat. I, I grab my torch. I go back outside. The rain's coming down hard. I pull the bin out. All the while, I'm holding this uh, lit torch in my mouth, like I, you know, like a private investigator. I, I felt like I'd broken into some office late at night. I'm rummaging around. I'm looking through papers. I probably made more of that moment than I needed to. I, I hold my hand up to that. I enjoyed that moment. I, I don't hold too many things in my teeth. I like the idea of being able to tear off sellotape with my teeth. That's always kind of been beyond me. But the fact is, I know now regardless of what went on to happen i know now that i am capable of holding a torch in my mouth and 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 looking looking good uh anyway i opened the bin i pulled it out i could see the bag i could see the bag i could see the casserole dish in this iceland's bag but the bins had only been emptied the previous day and they were you know the, the, there wasn't much in there the, the, the bag had fallen right at the bottom the bins were too deep i wasn't going to be able to get there get inside easily the bins were wet i struggled in my shoes my tan shoes to climb in having pulled the bins out and finding them near empty i was concerned it wasn't going to be heavy enough to to take my weight so I'm, I'm trying to reach down i can't get the bag it's agonizing and then you know to make things worse my tan shoe the right one it comes off and i see that fall to the bottom of the bin and i was you know i'm trying to work out what to do here and I felt like my only option was to call my mate who works on the estates to, to come with a ladder. My ladder, by the way, which I barely recognise now as it's covered in paint. And I just basically wanted him to, you know, come over with a ladder so I could use the ladder to climb into the bin. And I'm mulling this next move over in the rain with one shoe on when this little girl, seven or eight years old, suddenly appears. And she asks me why I only have one shoe. You know, I'm startled, first of all. I don't know where she's come from. Well, I mean, I've seen her before, but, I, but, but you know, she, she, she lives in this block. There are 17 or 18 flats here. But it's pouring down with rain. I'm thinking, what is this girl doing in the rain? And I thought half term was last week. I might have cheapishly uh, what had happened. Uh, asked her what she was doing out in the rain. You know, I'm not a parent. I... I'm good with kids, but I don't really like talking to little kids when the parents aren't there. It's not a it's not a good look. In two minutes, I've gone from the brilliant torch-in-the-mouth look to talking to a little girl with one shoe on. I looked like, you know, like I was mentally ill. I didn't want to think in this is what happens when you get old. It was a, it was a tender scene. It was like when Frankenstein's monster uh, meets that young peasant girl in the Boris Karloff film. Uh... And they're both throwing flowers onto some nearby water and, and, they're, and they're watching the petals float. Except I was about to put her into a bin to rescue my shoe. No one was going to drown. That was the good thing. We were just going to get covered in rubbish and, and, and the smell of rubbish. That's all. So I'm explaining to this little girl what had happened. And now full well the chances are she might offer to climb in for me to get my shoe, which is how it panned out. So I'm looking around to see where the mum is. Because I have seen these kids before. I've seen their mum. I've never seen their dad. But I've seen these kids. Uh, there's two of them I think. 
and yeah, I found out all that they were playing in the rain, but you know, I, I've, I wasn't, you know, I was selfish. I didn't ask too many questions. I'm, I'm thinking about the shoe. I'm thinking about the shoe largely. The casserole dish, I'm ready to lose that. I'd rather get both, but I'm ready to lose the casserole dish, but I need the shoe. Before I know it, I've lifted the kid into the bin. You can't see the top of the kid's head. The bin is, is, is so deep. The kid's so small. She's getting my shoe when the mum appears with the other kid. She's calling out what I assume to be the elder kid's name. And it's at that point that things got awkward. Because the mum had said hello to me. I helloed her back before mentioning her kid was in the bin retrieving my shoe. And of course, who else could she be calling? I knew she was calling her kid. But I said hello first. The mum hears the kid saying mum. And she detects that that voice is coming from the bin. I lift the kid up carefully, having made the mistake of taking my shoe from the kid first and putting my shoe back on. You know, my, my, my foot is completely wet. It, my, my sock is soaked right through. The kid at this point is still out of her mum's sight. Um, and really, you know, before lifting the kid up and explaining to the mum what had happened, I'm putting the shoe on. The mum, you know, rightly so, starts giving me an earful. I understand that. All the while, though, I am wondering whether I can persuade the mum. If I could just calm the mum down, you know, the kid, the kid, maybe we could send the kid back in just to get the casserole dish while she's while she's down there. Uh, I, I, I tell her about the casserole dish. I tell the mum about the casserole dish. The mum flips even more. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to find a way of, you know, saying to mum, look, there's, there's a recession on. If I can't find one of these casserole dishes in Poundland, I'm in trouble. Now I'm thinking, would this have played out differently had I explained to the mum that her kid was in the bin before helloing back and was taking my shoe and putting it back on before lifting the kid out of the bin, the second mistake I made. Obviously I understand using somebody else's child to climb into the bin uh, on my behalf, particularly when I don't know the child, particularly when I don't know the parents. I know that that isn't good. I know that. I know that. I've got enough about me to still know those things. But that is anyway one of the reasons I'm recording now. I don't know if when this is all done, uh, sorry, I, I don't know if this is all done now or, or whether I've got to wait for, for the husband now, assuming the husband, there is a husband on the scene, whether I've got to wait for him now to come and knock on my door to confirm whether the bin story is accurate. If he does that, is he looking for any side of, you know, is, is he looking for my side of the story? Is he interested in my version of events? Can I play this like I'm the victim of the recession? If there was no recession, you know, I could afford to replace this. I think the recession puts a, you know, made me do this. And then I'm also concerned if there isn't a husband on the scene, if there's a new boyfriend, he might use this as an opportunity to ingratiate himself with this woman, to prove himself to this woman, to, to prove that he does care about these kids. Even though probably he's a bit pissed off that she's got kids. He's kind of, he's not too sure whether he wants to take this relationship on. But anyway, there, there is a second reason that I don't want to have to, uh, record tonight um, I accept that given the the way my day is panning out now that I will have to edit in the evening but I don't want to record in the evening the whole recording and editing in the evening just takes up way too much time but I am trying to relax and I've made a commitment at the start of this week to watching Top Boy on Channel 4 this week I was interested in the way they're uh, streaming it across uh, four nights I think that's a good idea um, I know a few shows that have, have, have done that uh, recently and I wanted to see this through. I wanted to see this commitment through. I don't relax enough. I thought it would do me good to watch proper television rather than just downloads on the laptop where every now and then I'm still checking stuff online. It's not a good show, but I'm still going to see it through. The final episode is tonight. I find it 
staggering that these kind of shows, gang shows, are still being made and not offering anything new on them. Storm Damage, 11 years ago on the BBC, January 2000, came out. It's still the best gangster film of this type that I've seen and anticipated the way uh, the gang culture was on the rise in this country. And Ashley Walters was in that. I think he was Asher D at the time. He was riding high... Uh, um, in the So Solid uh, crew at the time as well. He's a, he, he is a superb actor. He really is. Um, it was a... There's there's a little too much... Uh, too many of these stage school actors slightly in this show for my liking. I, uh, that is my problem with British acting. I don't like the whole drama school thing. It's why I don't watch programs like Doctor Who, which are absolute rubbish. The level of acting in those uh, programs is, is appalling. But Ash, Ashley Walters is a superb actor, one of our best actors. But he is largely playing the same kind of role in every film he does. How many of these films has he done now? They offer nothing new on the genre, and surely he would remember how great, how exceptional Storm Damage was. And it was essentially the same story. Now, Top Boy has taken a lot of stick because it's by a white writer. The fact is, though, most of The Wire was written by white writers a good writer regardless of color can write anything the problem i think is that top boy doesn't offer anything new and you know we can say we've all seen this before the phenomenal fourth series of the wire which was absolutely brilliant uh, but the fact is that came four or five years after storm damage now i'm sure that the makers of the wire had never seen storm damage and i'm not saying storm damage for one minute is better than series four of the wire because it's not but in terms of UK productions, I think Storm Damage is head and shoulders above anything else that we've had. I thought Kidulthood wasn't good. Adulthood was brilliant simply because I, I was surprised how much better it was than Kidulthood. I, I didn't want to watch it. I didn't want to buy into it. But there were some, you know, brilliant actors in that. Um, but anyway, yeah, the idea was I, I, I make the effort to watch some TV actually sat on the sofa in front of the television I, I i feel doing these things will make me feel calmer i need to feel calmer so uh i'm recording now and afterwards i've got to try and find a new casserole dish i just seem to be stuck in this pattern right now of not returning to stuff to people in the same way that those things were given to me you know martin's laptop i returned it at the weekend just stopped working it was building up over weeks problems with the screen and so on but it just stopped working i foolishly on sunday tried to carry the momentum of the book when i really i should have got my laptop back which martin was testing the laptop still has issues you know tonight for example recording this show very differently gonna have to work a lot to, to uh you know get the uh get all the uh, editing done tonight to amplify everything it's not a problem i had on martin's laptop i this is kind of worrying uh the levels on this recording uh today but it's all coming about because i'm not working on one laptop i can't yeah you know, i've not got something that i can get used to I'm, I'm moving around between so many different machines i'm losing data i've lost things for this show i've lost things for the other show please don't hug me so it's frustrating foolishly on sunday i mean sunday taught me a big lesson i lost twelve thousand words on sunday or thought I had at the time. Uh, Martin went out and bought this thing. I can't remember what it was called. An enclosure. Something like that. Retrieved the data. Went above and beyond the above and beyond again. I should have learnt my lesson. I, I need to back everything up. I need to stick stuff in Dropbox. 
I had no reason to not wait a day to get my laptop back and just work from that, even if it meant that I couldn't take it to the cafe, which is where I'm meant to be writing all this stuff from. I'm trying to be faithful to the project and writing every piece from the cafe, which is the idea behind the book. You know, this guy, you know, Marty, he's one of the last great friends I've ever made. Known him for over 15 years. Our friendship, I think, is, I, I think my IT disasters have brought us closer um, I'm not sure I could ask for more from this guy. Um, and I was there on Sunday, and his dad stepped into the room and said, you know, if you, if you need anything, you just have to ask. You know, th this kind of stuff is humbling. Um, you know, it's not a case of calling him favours. It's a case of just asking for favours. I'm, I'm never going to have the uh, technical know-how of how to deal with machines. Uh, I think I know a lot more than I used to, but... The fact is, I, I just don't have anything that's working properly. I'm working on yet another laptop this week, and my own laptop, the one I'm recording on today, is at my desk. It's now effectively a desktop. It's hard to keep working like this. I'm going to keep going. Things need to be easier. The book is being done in such a difficult way now, when it shouldn't be this difficult. I should just be able to focus on putting the words together. I feel like this life is really playing out like a boring version of Rocky. I'm going to win, but the film's already over three hours long. And it's about money. It's about the inability to be able to replace things that needed replacing a long time ago. It's that simple. And, and living as a private tenant, any money I make, it just goes into the flat. So I can't replace this stuff easily. Now, things like the book may be the thing that finally turns my life around financially that gives me the freedom to that I need because I know that this sabbatical is ending I know that certainly in the future I'm going to have to return to that nine to five environment I I, I so struggle with um, but yeah things things need to be easier I still need to work on that you know that calming down I think externally I'm calmer Inside, though, I'm just still a, a mound of knots. I wouldn't say anxieties. It's just, I'm just hyper. I'm just hyper. For a guy who physically can come across as uh, very laid back, I've got way too much energy inside me. Mental energy. Restless. Unfocused. Short attention span. The attention span of a teenager. I don't know how I became that guy. It's It's not good. It's not good. I'm aware of it. I'm trying to address it. And... You know, one of the ways I've been trying to address it is by trying to relax in the evenings and getting off the laptop, not working, and you know, just trying to relax, trying to calm down. No, sí, sí, el 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 plato del del casserole, no la basura, no. Bueno, yo tendré que comprar uno. Voy a a Poundland a ver si si encuentro algo y pero no sé. Perdona. Yeah, yeah. You're listening to the uh, Daniel Ruiz Tyson podcast with me, Daniel Ruiz Tyson, half man, half P45. Contact the show, Twitter at 1607westegg. Email me, drt at westegg1607.co.uk. You can join the uh, Facebook uh, group of uh, the uh, Daniel Ruiz Tyson podcast. Uh, request to join if you're not already a member, and I'll... Uh, I'll put through your request and you can uh, post any comments on there which will be read out on the show. Now time for Song Overkill. Uh, which song have you ever played this week and why? If you remember last week, uh, I actually forgot mine. 
uh, well, I, I'm not sure if I'd forgotten, I just didn't have one. This week, uh, I'm going to go with uh, What Remains by uh, Foles from the uh, their second album, Total Life Forever. I this is uh, These guys are probably my favourite new band of the last few years. Some of their stuff, when they've got the whole multi-vocalist thing going on, reminds me of uh, Tears for Fears in their very sort of uh, early days. Actually, I'm not sure if they're early days. Maybe the second album, which I'm not actually too keen on. The uh, songs from the big chair, though it did have some good kind of harmonies and it displayed how good these guys were. How, how you know, what underrated vocalists they were. I don't think these guys' foals are as good as singers as uh, Tears for Fears. But they're very, very talented. And I think one of the most talented groups I've ever happened upon. Uh, this particular song, I, I mean, I like all their tunes. Uh, what I like is... Uh, there's obviously an indie edge to them, and I was uh, a bit of an indie kid in the late 80s, briefly. I think it was my flirtation with cutting-edge music. I, You wouldn't have been convinced if you'd seen me at these indie gigs, and I did go to, to plenty of them, but uh, I never felt quite at ease there. But there was something about the music that, that did. It kind of steered me away from a lot of the crap music I was listening to at the time. Uh, the lines from this song that resonate with me. Now the storm is on its way. Coming here to break the day. Steaming rain. Oh you go. Shoot me down. Take my halo. Yolk and crown. Yoke and crown. Because I've been to the darkest place I know. You my dear shouldn't fear what lies below. It's just bones. It is just bones. It is just bones. I've been below. I've been to plenty of dark places. It is just bones. And cold as well. I find when you run into difficulties, you usually find that you're, you're, you're cold, you're in a place. I think I don't think I've ever heard anyone say their life is bad, really bad, when they've got gas central heating. Anyway, moving on very quickly. Uh, let me see who I've got here. Uh, I think we've got one from The Shrubster. Haven't heard from her for a while. Song Overkill, The Shrubster says, Desire Under Your Spell. Uh, despite the conversation in the middle, I hate song talkers. Yeah, I'm not too keen on, on that song talking too. Very uh, very common in uh, hip-hop tunes, I think. Let me just uh, take a, a sniff of this well-known nasal inhaler that refused to uh, sponsor me back in the summer. All right, Potty Mouthed uh, EV80. Uh, her song this week, I think she's kept it cl No, she hasn't kept it clean. Uh, cream, sunshine of your love. I know that one well. Uh, as a child, the car was often my babysitter. Ah, the 80s, she says. I spent hours listening to my father's taste in music. Amongst them, <laughs> amongst the Mike Oldfield and Folky bollocks was this one. Whenever I hear it, I'm transported to my waiting eight-year-old self in that rust bucket. Blue Austin Allegro. You know, um... That reminds me, I, I was crossing to Nine Elms uh, Sainsbury's yesterday and I saw some old Saab and I realised that I don't know cars at all. I mean, cars have never interested me. On occasion, I will still lie and not uh, be... be well, no, no, you know, someone starts talking to me about cars, I don't... You know, tell them I don't drive isn't the first thing I say. You know, your masculinity, if you don't drive, is very much doubted. <clears throat> the weird thing is, there was a brief spell six weeks in the summer of 91 when I took on the worst job I've ever taken. A job that, it broke me in every possible way. Sierra, what was that? Yeah, Sierra 43, uh, 40, Sierra 43 was my uh, call sign. 
I was working as a security guard in the Docklands when it was being built. It was all marshland at the time. For the summer, it was a hot summer, 91. I went to Malta that year and I was already tan. That's how hot it was. But, I mean, it was like working in a swamp. And, uh, yeah, I was a security guard and I had to write down, you know, uh, I was halfway through my A-levels. I had to write down every, you know, car that was passing through. And in the space of six weeks, I got to know my cars it's it was unbelievable I, i've never been interested in cars i wasn't then but i knew instinctively what car was what just because it became part of my job and uh i saw this old-fashioned saab yesterday i hadn't seen that kind of saab for, for, for at least 20 years and it reminded me of that job it just it, it, it triggered a, a flashback of the worst job I've had. Uh, Nick MB, uh, uh, another Lambeth writer, song for whoever by Beautiful South says Nick. Uh, a lot of their stuff is too arch to enjoy listening to, but I like this. Uh, Nick go, uh, goes on to say it's a song about writers using past lovers for cheap inspiration. Kind of fits that though. It's still quite smug. Not sure if I got the gist of that properly a song about writers using past lovers for cheap inspiration kind of fits that though it's still quite smug okay uh pete domican i keep uh mispronouncing pete's surname every week i i, I think i would find it easier if pete was called pete dominican it's just it, it's just easier for me uh pete's uh made some good contributions to this week's show uh thanks pete thanks also for for getting them in early makes my job uh, a lot easier uh, Pete's song this week is uh, Open Arms by Elbow. When I listen to it, Pete says, I imagine Guy Garvey is singing to me, joyous and sad at the same time. I'm a big Peter Gabriel fan. Guy Garvey is his heir. I think this will be the soundtrack to when I write my equivalent six, which is uh, a post I, I, I put on the blog uh, yesterday, 1607westegg.wordpress.com. Uh, thanks for your kind words about that, Pete and uh, Jason and John, John M., Welch as well. Uh, appreciated, guys. I think I have a, a bit of a barrier when it comes to listening to Elbow because I can't get used to Guy Garvey's face. He's got one of those faces where he's used a beard to sort of disguise his facial shortcomings, but it hasn't quite worked. There's something going on there. You know what? I like these singers who have sort of unusual, not faces, but mouths that... Um, affect the way they sing and the lead singer from the doves he's got this kind of lisp thing going on and i love his voice i think it adds to his voice i do you know they're, they're a band I, I really do like the doves they're a band that i've never really um i don't i i don't think i've made as much of an effort as i should have done to to to, to explore the bot you know their body of work i think the stuff i've heard and i've heard plenty i just think it's terrific uh, William, the lovely William Stafford copyright, Mickey Boyd. Song uh, Overkill this week, F You by CeeLo Green. This charming ditty has very funny lyrics and clever rhymes. Atari and Ferrari, for example, as he compares his cash-strapped self to his ex's new minted fella. There is a radio-friendly version, the Anodyne Forget You, which goes against the meaning of the song. If he wanted uh, if he wanted to forget the lady in question, he wouldn't be banging on for four minutes about her. And who says forget you to show their contempt? No one. Insist on the original, unexpurgated version, ignore the parental advisory label and enjoy yours, the lovely, etc, etc. Uh, Victoria Sponge 7, her song Overkill this week. Uh, is it Sempre? I think that might be a typo. It might be Siempre, because I don't think there's a Spanish word called Sempre. 
Siempre libera sung by Maria Callas uh, from La Traviata, translation The Fallen Woman. It's one of the most beautiful pieces of music I've ever heard, even on the worst day. This brings light and joy. It feeds my soul without wanting to sound like a total moron. Uh, Callas had, in my novice opinion, one of the most stunning soprano voices ever. You'll notice there, the uh, keen-eyed listener will notice there, my uh, inconsistency pronouncing Callas. Started off with the Callas, then went with Callas. Um... Also, I think I said La Traviata, which I hate that. There is a there is a, a, a journalist who I won't name who is a foreign extraction who constantly makes a, a big show saying Fernando Torres. I think if you're in England, anglicize the words. I, I don't need someone saying to me Ruiz de Thon. That really winds me up. I know how to say my name, but I'm not going to say it like that when I'm in a different country. Uh, last week, if you remember, Je m'appelle Shirley uh, said she's She'd been playing Storm by Lifehouse, and uh, I read a lot into the lyrics. Uh, she sent me an email saying, I refute your explanation for Storm. Uh, to the point. I like that. I like that. To the point. Um, what I'm going to ask now, this uh, Jim Appel Shirley, um, I want her to listen to uh, Mr. Disco by New Order. And uh, I want her on next week's show, I want her to email me next week and misread what that song meant to me. Go through the lyrics and misread what that song meant to me. I think we should all misread what songs mean to each other. I think that's fun. So, uh, yeah, Mr. Disco, new, by a new order from the uh, Technique album. Uh, Billy Two Rivers uh, emailed in uh, on a similar theme to last week. Upon learning that yesterday my job had taken me to within a stone's throw of uh, EV80's home, I haven't been able to get the Calvin Harris track so close out of my head i realize this i realize this is not in line with my usual heavy guitar based influences but this is what the infatuation stage of my twitter crush copyright peter domican has done to me my quest to ensnare the potty mouth princess of narnia continues best regards as always billy two rivers nine this is a, a love affair playing out on twitter between billy two rivers nine and uh, the uh, uh, foul mouthed evie 80 um You'll find them on my timeline, or please don't hug me, or Mickey Boyd's timeline. Uh, great fun to watch that uh, burgeoning whatever it is. Who knows, they might have been doing stuff already and we don't know about it. I like that. I was, um, well, before I finish this, keep your song overkills coming in uh, at 1607 West Egg. Uh, hashtag song overkills. Um, yeah, earlier this week, when was that? was that? A couple of days ago, I was on my way to the uh, foot clinic for my injury, which, you know, as I said, uh, the cortisone jab uh, a couple of months ago now has actually been, you know, it's been a good thing. It's It's been a good thing. It gives me hope. I'm doing my uh, exercises uh, to keep the uh, operation at bay. Got the, the jab doing its bit. Need to find better footwear still. I mean, it's a good job I didn't get the shoes because I'd completely forgotten the most important part of the shoe the heel has to be completely unbendable and uh, I certainly forgot that information when I was going everywhere on the Friday and Saturday and Monday looking for shoes this kind of task isn't good for someone like me who can be quite indecisive when it comes to buying footwear I'm good at buying clothes but footwear is quite a big thing for me but anyway, I got on the bus and um, I was, it's a weird journey because this place is in Kennington. I was born in Kennington and Kennington always confuses me. It's like Covent Garden. I always get lost. I've got a blind spot when it comes to, you know, the, the place of my birth. Um, I'm a Kennington boy and 
that place is like a black hole to me. I can never find my way around there. Every time I get to this clinic, I argue with the receptionist. Why do I have to come here? Why can't I just continue going to Brixton? And it's the same argument every time, the same response every time, rather. This is the clinic for this particular injury. You have to come here. I managed to, to get there this time, just only a couple of minutes late. But the problem is that I get a bus from here to the top of Vauxhall, but then the buses from Vauxhall to Kennington, there's no particular, there's, there's no direct route. It will dump you in Oval, and then you have a really, really long walk to Kennington, to this particular part of Kennington. So I got the, you know, the idea was get the bus to Vauxhall, walk from Vauxhall to Oval, uh, sorry, to Kennington, and at a very brisk pace. And I love walking. I'm a, I'm, I'm a very, very fast walker. People will tell you that I can walk you know, I can. I, that's why this uh, foot injury was such a big deal for me because I I love to walk. I can walk for miles. I can walk for hours. I get that from my dad. But anyway, I I was uh, running late. I I'd, I'd gone everywhere. I'd, I should have come straight home after going to you know Kings Road, Victoria, and Brixton. Then I decided to top it off by going to Clapham Junction. I get obsessive about stuff. I was focused, turning up with these shoes, handing them to the surgeon, saying, "Look, will these do?" And if she'd have said no, then I'd have just gone back to the shop and got a refund. So I got on a bus from here down South Lambeth Road. And there was no need to go on the upper deck. I thought I'd sit down with the old ladies. Um, there's no space on those seats. And I completely misjudged the space I had. I waxed my knee so hard. I was in so much pain. But, you know, we've all done that. And I realized that within, you know, four or five seconds, that sharp pain would uh, dissipate. And uh, this time... It didn't. I mean, the pain, the pain went away. But what happened? I actually, I almost had a panic attack. I realized that my reaction to that bang on the knee was completely out of all proportion. I, I, I lost control of my breathing. And I realized then, it really worried me. The more I realized what was happening to me on that bus, the more wound up I got. And, uh, it just showed me that right now I am not anywhere as, as, as calm as I had been prior to the last few weeks. I don't know what's doing it. And, you know, I'd been doing the meditation last week. This week I've been, you know, my, 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 my days have been so packed. I try to structure them properly. But, in, you know, right from the early morning I, I'm, I'm chasing things. I'm not getting everything I need to get done. And so I've been trying to meditate, but I've been crowbarring it in. So I'll squeeze 10 minutes in, try and get my breathing right. It'll help me. But then I just go back to what I was doing before that, that made me, uh, you know, have to meditate. It's uh, it, it, it's not good. I'm chasing my tail at the moment uh, in, in, in terms of in, in terms of my mood. And I need to address that. Obviously, it doesn't help that I'm not sleeping. Uh, you know, I had a had a sad dream the other night. I was in some holiday camp, some Butlins or whatever else is out there. It's not Maplins. Maplins is an electronic shop with a with a small guy who gives good electronic advice. Um, it was out of season, and I was staying there, and there was this huge lighter in the middle, and it was empty. Everyone had left. Everyone was leaving me behind. I was trapped there. I know what this is. This is that room eleven shit. This is this is the hotel not leaving me. This is the hotel memory biting me on the ass again. And you know, I woke up about five and I thought, whoa, you know, 
a few months ago, uh, you know, a friend told me, look, you know, they tell me that when they have bad dreams, they just, as soon as they wake up, they know that's not where, you know, that's not where they are anymore. That's just a ghost. That's not where they are anymore. It's, a, it's, it's, your mind is playing tricks on you, but you are moving on. And I try to apply that, but occasionally you, you, you have a dream that feels so real and it's so uncomfortable that, you know, you got to work that bit harder to, to, to deal with it. And uh, that's what that was. Now, I asked on uh, Twitter a few days ago um, about whether people are a good host. I'm not. I'm not a good host. I'm not very good at having guests over as, as, as a kid because I you know, grew up in that bizarre house. Um, we never had people staying around or other than uh, other than the rabbit, my cousin. There were no adults stayed over. We never we could never have people come over from Spain or stay with us. So I never saw how it was done. And uh, as an adult, when I had, you know, f- when I had a flat, I would I'd marvel as 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 to you know how people would do this, and how often it was such a joyous event. You know, when I when I lived in Putney, we'd have people stay over, and I, I I struggled with it. It was such a big deal to me. It was a kind of exciting, but also unnerving, because there were people often that I didn't know that well that I might have known through an ex-girlfriend or something, and you know these people were were going to be staying under your roof that night, and that was a big deal to someone who had never experienced that before. When I uh, moved to South Lambeth uh, three years ago, or two and a half years ago, when I was uh, trying to come out the first uh, wave of problems staying uh, with a with a close friend in his uh, three-floored four-bedroom house and you know there's so much noise there it was on an estate so I had to get used to the noise from the estate which is very different to, to normal residential streets and I'm not saying that sniffily it just it took me it took some adjustment that was my first real experience of living on an estate and you know my mate would make so much noise and I'm not saying that in a bad way because it was an eye-opener you know he'd slam his door he wasn't concerned about noise and it made me realize how laid back he was and how anxious I was about noise because my dad would always tell me as a kid don't make noise because we had so many bloody neighbors and it was it was an insight and my mate he's now living in a flat and he'll say to me you know there's so much noise here you know he can hear neighbors above him he can hear them to the side he can hear them below he's got music coming at him from all you know coming through every wall it does change things you realize that you know it's very living in a flat growing up in a flat is very different to growing up in a house and i would see that because uh we'd live a you know we lived in a bed sit friends would come over and you could always tell the ones that lived in the house because they would make so much noise they would think nothing of running up the stairs or down the stairs that they you know their footsteps were loud when they when they would sit on the floor they would almost fall to the floor and make loads of noise and it just made you anxious because you were used to people banging on your ceiling, uh, banging on your floor, sorry, from the from the ceiling down below, knocking on your door, complaining. So we were always quite tense and anxious, and that was a that that was a hangover into into my uh, my life as an adult. Um, when I was uh, first living in flats of my own, yeah, I'd have Match stay over, people like Match, I'd have Martin and that, but it's very different because they were close friends and uh, you'd have a few drinks and that. It wasn't a big deal. But when it was, uh, for instance, couples staying over, it was almost quite official. You might be drinking with people you didn't know so well, you'd be seeing a different side to them. Um, very, very strange. 
very strange and in, in, in a good way but uh yeah i was almost you know i had to be you know i had to have my hand held really you know by by the people i was living with whenever people would would, would stay over i just wouldn't know how 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 it would all work uh, i had some tweets on this uh, the shrubster uh, I'm overly apologetic as a host. I offer all the food in the house and then I fall asleep. Uh, Pete Domican, I just leave the keys and leave. I'm the perfect host. Uh, Tummy Custard, uh, regarding hosting, there's the video games, there's the pisser, there's the fridge if you brought beer. Do you want tea? I like that. So I had my um, second of three catch-up sessions with uh, my uh, uh, counsellor yesterday. Uh, it was good to see him. I said before, important person in my life I know they they have a job to do but uh, I can't overstate the importance of what this guy has has done for me despite any negativity you might hear here this is you know there's nothing wrong with venting as long as something constructive comes out of it and uh, you know I've got plenty of positive things going on it's a way of it, it, it it's it's a case of me trying to find the means to appreciate those things and to be less hard on myself and uh, we, we, we talked about why I'm so driven why I'm so tense and rigid and I think one of the things that emerged and there's one of the things that I've been questioning about myself is you know yesterday I hit 10 months without alcohol it's not necessarily something I'm proud of I think it's something it's it is a big thing I was never a big drinker um, I, I stopped drinking because I knew that I needed to deal with things as clearly as possible. I couldn't have anything impairing my judgment because my judgment was completely shot to pieces. My confidence was shot to pieces. And it's 10 months now without drinking. It'd be a big thing for me to drink again. But I don't know if that's a good thing. I don't know if that's a good thing. I, 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 I don't know why it's become that. It's a big thing for me in the sense that I think it's a massive statement on my part to myself that I was intent on changing my life, that I knew how serious my situation was, that I had to keep a clear head at all times. But the fact that it's a big thing or would be a big thing for me to have another drink, that bothers me. It, the, the fact that I fear what having one drink might make me suddenly think. I, I, it's like I'm, I'm scared that everything I've done this year would suddenly be undermined by one drink. That I'd suddenly see everything through beer goggles. And I was blogging about this today. Um, and it has affected my social life. Uh, yeah, I'm capable of going to a pub and not drinking. Or you've got non-alcohol beer there. you know. And I'm one of those guys. I can't... I, I do berate... The drinking culture in this country and most northern european countries I, I don't think we're sensible about alcohol i think we we glory in the drinking we glory in the getting wasted and i find that bizarre i always have but i've got nothing against the sensible drinking of the sort of southern europeans the the, the drinking to, uh, accompanied by good food uh i like that i i i've never been that big an alcohol a bigger connoisseur of alcohol that i've bought into that world either but uh, I certainly had more time for that world than, than I do for, for the whole drinking culture here but I do like alcohol um, I just I just knew that I had to stay away from it I've, I've never been one for 
you know, for drugs either. I've just never been one for relinquishing control. And I learned that very, very young. But now it's like, it's this control, this obsession with control in every area of my life. I don't know if that's because last year I just lost complete control of it, you know, over everything. I had someone else controlling my every move. People I barely knew were determining my future. And, and you know, my life came crashing down. It's not that I'm worried that that's going to happen again because I've learned a massive lesson there and that won't happen again. It's it's affected me, like I say, socially. I'd like to be relaxed enough to change that. I'm, I, I guess I'm not. And it's about being in this situation now. It's about feeling stronger. It's about getting through lots of this stuff. But But what happens now? How do I move forward? Every day has been about dealing with things, about improving things. And I'm doing so much good. And sometimes I question myself as to why I'm doing it. What's my motivation for doing it? What's my reason for doing it? Does it work? And I think for the most part it does. But it's all happening at this period in my life. When I've never done these things before, I never sought these changes before, I never sought to push them through. It's one thing to say that you want to change uh, but it's another thing to push those changes through, and it's just taking so much out of me. And I, I, I feel, I feel tense. I feel tense. And we talked about. Well, I said that I don't feel you ever come back properly from a breakdown, and I had two. I had two breakdowns in in in, in just over two years. And the first one was the one that, I mean, the first one was creeping up on me for a long, long time. I was making mistakes. I was doing things I shouldn't have been doing. And that was killing me. That was killing me. And that was eating me up from the inside out. And there was a day when I, uh, a September day, a Sunday where I was stuck at a station on my way to the Maudsley in Camberwell, and I was just going to tell them that that was it. I couldn't, I, I'd reached a point where I, I needed to, to, to be admitted that I couldn't carry on at that particular point in my life, and I got a call from someone to kind of save me from going in there. In retrospect, that may not have been a good thing. And then there was the second and um, final breakdown last year, the one where... You know, the penny finally dropped. And, you know, I just, I I said to the counsellor, and I'm not saying that I'm right, it was just my opinion, that I don't believe you come back properly. I think you come back differently. You come back altered. It's not that you come back mad. You come back altered. You come back just, you're just different. It's... The analogy I made on the, on the blog was uh, John Barnes. You know, John Barnes was one of the greatest players I've ever seen. I'm as fond of John Barnes as a, as a Liverpool fan of 35 years. I love John Barnes as much as I do Kenny Dalglish because I think Barnes, it is quite fashionable now to say that the Liverpool team of 87-88 was the best Liverpool team ever. I don't think it was. I think it played the best football, but I don't think it was the best team. And Barnes did what Dalglish did. Or came close to doing what Dalglish did for Liverpool, but in a in an inferior team. And you know, at his best, uh, Barnes was he was just a beautiful player to watch. 
But his injuries of the early 90s robbed him of the searing pace that made him one of the most devastating and, and graceful left-wingers that I've ever seen. And no one could have envisaged the, the, the rebirth of Barnes post-94, the return after three years of injury. Um, and he saw out his Liverpool career as an overweight, deep-lying midfield playmaker. He'd be playing these uh, five-yard passes in these white boots that started to you know, become fashionable, uh, fashionable again in that period. That's kind of what's happened to me. I'm not what I was. I'm better, I'm wiser than the earlier model, but I'm more limited. I'm aware of that. I'm more limited than who I was a few years ago. I have to work harder to achieve what I do. You know, just as the twilight of his career, John Barnes never again glided past defenders as he did so memorably against QPR in 87, Brentford in 89. I know that I'm never going to be able to replicate a number of things I used to take for granted. I'm never going to be as strong as I was, but I know that there's still a lot that I can accomplish, and I'll continue to uh, to focus on you know reaching those goals. But I, I I don't kid myself that I'm the same person. I don't kid myself that I'll be uh, as strong again. I think the important thing to remember is that. What's happened to me has to inform the future, but it can't dictate the future. I know enough now. I'm stronger to know, you know, and I'm strong enough to know that that's what happened to me is not going to happen again. Um, it shouldn't have happened, but it happened, you know. And uh, you know, I live with that. I live with that. But I've got to find a way of of of, of being easier on myself. I think I've dealt with a lot of that, but it's about embracing life now i don't know how much of this is down to the whole specter of 40 in six months time looming i i i think that's been part of it i think that's been part of it for a long time i don't know i don't know i'm thinking about it i'm thinking about it too much probably uh time for surprising insults now uh, i think i just got uh one the other day uh sorry one this week uh from uh, from the uh, lovely William Stafford, copyright Mickey Boyd. Hello, Daniel. First of all, I want to say how much I am enjoying the latest batch of uh, Please Don't Hug Me shows. Very much is how much. It's great to hear you guys sparking off each other in that teasing, mocking way that good friends have. Uh, on to business. Uh, surprise and insult. The other day I went out to squeeze some cash from the cash machine. The nearest one to me outside the post office was empty, and so I had to walk around the block to another one. I don't know why I'm speaking like this. I think this is the way I imagine that William speaks now. I'm, I'm, I'm giving him a, a, a different voice every week um with my mission accomplished i continued my circuit of the block and back around to the shops on the perimeter wall of a car park a group of girls uh was perching emitting invisible waves of evil into the atmosphere one of them brightened when she saw me smiled sweetly and asked in as much politeness as her north dudley accent would allow if i would go into the shop for her this meant for booze and or cigarettes i said no i wouldn't and kept walking uh, before they could leap from the wall and harangue me or pelt me with their dung, I turned and shrugged the magic words, I'm a teacher. They backed away, momentarily stunned, and I made good my escape. Then last night, I was traversing the same road and the gang of girls with some honorary male members in, the, uh, in their entourage uh, were coming along in the other direction. Oh, look, said their appointed spokesperson. Uh, spokesperson. It's the teacher. Her voice was dripping with disdain. I sought refuge in the chip shop. <laughs> sign of the times when teacher becomes an insult as if i'm some kind of moralizing puritan the fact that i'm not currently employed to teachers <laughs> the fact that i'm not currently employed to teachers beside the point i would have preferred some four-letter tirade or some aspersions cast upon my parentage or sexuality 
Oh, the lovely William Stafford. That's that's brilliant, William. Uh, keep those surprising insults coming in. Uh, surprising insults, hashtag, um, hashtag rather surprising insults, uh, via Twitter at 1607westegg or email them drt at westegg1607.co.uk. That reminds me of something that happened to me last, uh, late last year, late during my hotel stay as the final nightmare weeks dragged on. I was uh, walking through Warwick Way, back to my Pimlico Hotel, and a uh, 15, 14, 15-year-old 15 girl, rough as hell, and her boyfriend, who looked about 12, approached me uh, and gave me some uh, gave me some money and asked me to go into the shop to buy them a bottle of something. I can't remember what it was. Bottle of alcohol. Um, and I just wasn't in the mood for, 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 for explaining to them why I wouldn't do it. Against my better judgment, I went into the shop. I bought them uh, the bottle. The newsagent, uh, obviously, uh, the, the shopkeeper, obviously uh, suspected something. He followed me out of the shop, saw me handing the bottle to the kids, and uh, I was banned from the shop, which was the nearest shop to the hotel. And I'd been going there, you know, for, for, for the four months I'd been in that hotel at the time. And, uh, that, yeah, yeah, I just disgraced myself there. So uh, the clocks went back at the weekend. Saturday night, a friend told me uh, the clocks were were set were meant to go an hour back. I don't understand then how it was that on Sunday morning, uh, around what I thought was 9am, I was actually two hours behind uh, real time. The bigger switch, though, the bigger switchover, though, that concerns me is the summer to winter socks one. I'm two weeks now into the winter socks season. My beige carpet is a mess, just full of fluff. My last flat, I had a, I had a nightmare. I've mentioned this before. I, I had a nightmare getting that carpet cleaned. I used to da damage, you know, brushes trying to get rid of all the sock fluff, and it's starting to happen here now. This carpet is looking very different to to to, to what it used to look. Uh, uh, where am I now? Let me uh, check the running order. I'm concerned about these levels again. This is certainly going to take uh, me some time this evening getting this uh, this editing sorted. Still got to get that casserole dish as well. The book, yeah, the book. I'm I'm going from strength to strength on the book. I'm 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 very confident with the book. I'm always confident about my work, but I think uh, this book uh, allows me to forego the barrier that the TV scripts are, 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 are finding are coming up against because of the subject. You know, matter that I'm dealing with now. Uh, I am concerned about the uh, the cafe and my future in that cafe if the book does get published, which I, I I expect it to be published. And I've been asking myself, and I've been blogging about it. Am I trying to write my way out of this cafe? It's the longest relationship I've had. It's I've been going there ten and a half years. In that time, um, so many things have been. Have happened in my life. I've lost, you know, so many people. I've, I've, I've you know, been in a number of relationships, uh, most of which, uh, most of those women would go to that cafe at one time or another. I'm wondering whether I feel like I at least need a break. I've been looking into a break. Missed my uh, my passport actually got delivered today, and I wasn't here to sign for it. That gets delivered on Monday. Now I, I discussed this again with the councillor. Rather, he raised it, even though it's been at the back of my mind. You know, why don't I have a break? Why don't I get away? You know, pack a bag and just go somewhere. I my doubt with that is I, I suspect that, that I would fail to down tools. I'd probably be working furiously on the book. 
I don't know. Nine years ago, around this time, I, I went to uh, Barcelona, and I swear what I learned from that is that there's nothing like the winter break. It recharges your batteries in a way that no other kind of break does. I was out there, I think, for, for just under three weeks, and it was one of the uh, greatest experiences of my life. It really was, and I'm glad I went to, I went out there at that time of year. I don't think I'd like to have gone there in the summer. It, 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 there weren't that many tourists. It was beautiful. I had some uh, some of the most magical uh, days of my life there. Just a few months after my dad had passed, and uh, I never forgot that. And I think you know, nine years on, I'm thinking maybe, just maybe, a break now at this time of year would do something. Time for a new Clapham now. Um, let me quickly explain how this works. A few shows ago, we 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 took over Clapham. We restored it to its pre-1993 status, uh, a largely working-class area. We kicked out a lot of the middle-class ponces who turned it into this expensive area. You know, stupid bars, pubs closing down, giving stupid. Uh, you know, or staying open but under new stupid names, bouncers on doors, French delicatessens, all that rubbish. You know, we, 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 we've kicked them all out. We've got some of the middle class ponces. We've got them in a holding pen base in the French delicatessen. Uh, last week, we introduced a, a violent pub to the Clapham North area. We still want uh, suggestions for, for names for that pub. Uh, we've got William uh, William's Violent Shop, I think, in... Uh, Clapham Old Town, is it? Or Clapham Common? I never keep a record of this stuff. Certainly at the top of the high street, metrosexual punters are lured in and beaten into a pulp once there in the back room. We seem to have a lot of back rooms going on in uh, in our Clapham businesses. Uh, Mickey Boyd's Dirty Words Shop, uh, right opposite Kentucky's. We're keeping Kentucky's. We brought the Wimpy back. Uh, if you remember, it's on the pavement on uh, Clapham High Street next to the Alex. That's where the Wimpy is. I celebrated my 12th birthday there in 1984. Mickey's Dirty Word Shop, opposite Kentucky in the uh, uh, in the middle of the high street. Uh, basically, you go there if you're feeling a bit pretentious and you just go into Mickey's shop. There's nothing to buy. He just mutters double entendres and, and, and generally filthy words every day, every, uh, you know, uh, eight-hour day, just just there, just 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 saying stuff. Unfortunately, we, we can't drop into the shop this week owing to uh, technical issues arising from these uh, various laptop problems. But... Here's the thing, uh, you know, Mickey's uh, twaps campaign on Twitter, uh, T-W-A-P-S, the anti-flat cap campaign, that's gathering a base, so he's going to need time off from the shop, he wants to employ a part-timer, what he needs is double entendres and your best carry-on voice emailed to the show on an mp3, drt at westegg1607.co.uk, and uh, the uh, best... Uh, potential filth mongrel will get a part-time job with Mickey. Send us a selection of uh, double entendres, no longer than 30 seconds. Introduce yourself at the start, your real name or your Twitter handle, either will do. And then just just subject us to your filth. Show us what you can do. Uh, Pete, uh, Pete tweeted in, uh, does New Clapham have a record shop? I mean, a proper record shop with a militant vinyl owner. Uh, no, it doesn't. I think uh, I might have mentioned, well, I did mention show 29 or show 30 when we started New Clapham, that there was a record shop up until the early 90s called Moonfleet. It it was originally based uh, just across the road from uh, Barclays Bank, heading towards the Common. Then it moved uh, across the road 
uh, to where the Souk bar is. Uh, the Souk bar is actually uni, uh, is on the site of Unideck Paints, which was owned by uh, Leslie Ash's mum, whom I used to work for. That's now the Souk bar. I think either side of that, perhaps to the left, Moonfleet. That's where Moonfleet uh, had its second incarnation. So we could relocate the record shop there. We'd need a name for the record shop. Uh, Pete says, let's have one, but it needs to be hardcore, the eastern block of the south. Um, I don't think it's going to be a download shop. It's it's going to be, according to Pete, nothing else, no bending of sleeves, everything by genre, then alphabetical. It's just going to be vinyl-specific, uh, a shop for real music lovers. Uh, Victoria Sponge 7 uh, emailed in, another great show, great Vader noises. Don't edit them out, please. A, a reference to the breathing, I think, again there. New Clapham has definitely captivated my imagination. Um... Uh, in her email, a slight aside, I concur the damp smell is the worst smell I'm paranoid about. I think this was a reference to my concern last week when I was talking about trying to dry my clothes in a, a cold flat in the middle of winter. Uh, Victoria Sponge 7 continues, also love facial hair as long as it's past the spiky stage. I wish Movember would be all year round. In particular, I enjoyed the story last week about the lady with designs on you, had me giggling along uh, her den, etc, etc, in the woods. Hilarious. Um, yeah, I had a few emails there responding to the story about the uh, uh, disabled cousin. Uh, it was it was it was a true story. Um, I think that you know he was strong enough. He could have taken Mickey Boyd on 1976, smashed me over the head with a basketball, banned from the uh, test your strength striker at the local fairground as well after he kept hitting the bell. Um, Victoria Sponge Seven continues. The back room is top secret. I can't share the kind of stuff that goes on would make your toes curl. I plan on running both shops and employing people to help out. Uh, I think Victoria Sponge Seven. She's got the Save Our Souls religious shop uh, and the other shop. What is it? Uh, I've forgotten now. God, my memory's terrible. Dealing with all these technical issues this afternoon might come to me in a bit. So she's got the uh, religious shop. The pot van is also, um, I don't know if she's referring to that. Oh, no, she's got the curiosity shop. That's it, the old curiosity shop. But she's also, I mean, she looks like she might, you know, she's becoming the dominant business partner in New Clapham. She's got the pot van as well. And uh, she's now saying, I think we need a community center that you can facilitate so many things from. No need for a gym as classes can be run out of the center. For example, a running club, circuit training, Zumba, karate classes for children and adults, coffee mornings, car boot sales, amateur dramatics. I don't know about that, actually. I don't know about that. That's a, that's a bit wanky. Uh, scouts and brownies or whatever the youth of today get up to. Uh, yeah, the uh, I'm sure the girl I put in the bin today, she'd probably be up for the brownies. Um, a cinema night, the list is endless. Um, local businesses should ideally contribute to the centre. I don't mind discussing this with uh, proprietors. Can we also have an Armani arse mail equivalent? This is a reference to last week when uh, I suggested that to, to boost the morale. I mean, it's going to be difficult on New Clapham. Lots of building work going on. We've got no police force. We're probably going to be uh, excluded by surrounding areas. Um, so it's going to be a tough time. So I thought we'd bring in uh, uh, the girl from college who who had this fantastic Armani ass, uh, Armani jeans, expensive jeans. We just parade her. You know, she'd be safe. We'd have a sec security guards with her. But uh, Victoria Sponge Seven uh, now wants some male equivalents. Uh, suggestions on her part: Tom Selleck, uh, circa 1980, or Lenny Kravitz's lookalike from my gym. Choice is yours. Um, in reference to the pop van, which uh, she suggested last week, we are going to make the pop healthier. I think she's been uh, 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 discussing this with uh, Pete on uh, Twitter. Pete says, as my uh, driver's mate, uh, uh, Victoria Sponge and I are discussing uh, a healthier pop 
and you clap them. Um, thanks for including the pop man, says Victoria Sponge. I agree, the pop does need to be changed. It used to be radioactive. We don't want the children making frequent trips to the dentist. Need to complete uh, more research on the matter. Perhaps beat uh, Domican, who I believe offered his services to run it, and I could come up with something healthier. Uh, Pete, over the weekend, he emailed in saying, one of my summer jobs as a kid in Bolton was to load up pop bands for delivery. It was brutal physical work. I'd go home shattered, legs black and blue with a knocks from the crates as I carried them. Uh, and then I'd eat and go straight to bed, usually by 7pm, whilst the permanent guides would go off weight training. One guy could push 10 crates at a time. I could push two. It was Charles Atlas Sand in FaceTime. It put off a career in pop at the time, a decision I've regretted ever since. The flavours I remember were lemonade, cherryade, orangeade, Dandelion and Burdock. Really? Iron Brew. I do like Iron Brew. And a cola. All had so many numbers they could make kids run around for hours after a single sip. As well as load pop, we also had to load pallets of Coke cans and would form a chain throwing packs of 24 at each other. If you didn't catch it properly, you got black arms or hit in the chest. So you learned how to do it quickly. At the end of six weeks, I looked like the body of a victim on CSI. The highlight of my six weeks was being on top of a 40-foot stack of Coke cans when there was a minor earthquake epicenter in Stoke. The whole stack swayed with me on top, trying not to fall off. Pete goes on to say, delivering was much more fun. I was the driver's mate, although oddly I was never particularly friendly with any of them. We'd ride around the northwest, delivering to news agents and schools, bringing cheer to the mass, cheers uh, to the masses of Lancashire. More of a challenge in those days, of course, due to the absence of sat-nav devices. I've never felt the need to volunteer for Oxfam and in Africa, having had this experience, I know what relief work is all about. Given my background, I'd be the perfect candidate for the driver of the pop van in New Clapham. I'd deliver to all the local shops and pubs, which would have a healthy appetite for pop. Exchanging good-natured banter with Victoria Sponge 7 and reminding EV80 to mind her language if required. Uh, that's great stuff. We'll take stock of where New Clapham is going next week. Come back to it perhaps in a couple of weeks. Uh, time now, very quickly, as I try to finish this very long show this week. I just, I've been unsettled by all the technical issues I'm having uh, on the show this afternoon. Um, yeah, regular listeners uh, will will know about the Keep Your Head Appeal launched a, a couple of weeks ago. Um, you'll know what happened to me last year. If you're new to the show, show 31 is a good place to start. Or you'll find uh, much of the info on the uh, fundraising page, uh, uk.virginmoneygiving.com forward slash Daniel Ruiz Tyson. Uh, so far, uh, we've raised over £300. Uh, these donations, I've been assured, will be restricted to the Adult Psychotherapy Fund. Um, I can reassure you that uh, the donations are going to the right place. Um, I'm humbled by your large and small donations. You know, even if it's just a pound, these are tough times for a lot of people, myself included. So uh, I'm not expecting large donations. Whatever you can, do, you know, whatever you can manage, or if you just retweet the links, that's more than fine. These are these are hard, life-changing times for 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 a lot of us. So uh, please feel no obligation. Uh, your your support for the appeal and for the show. Uh, continues to be appreciated by myself. Uh, the appeal is going to last until Christmas Eve, by which time uh, we will have uh, reached show 40. Eight weeks left, seven shows. Let's see how much we can raise. Uh, time for a quick Nectar Points update. If I can find my receipt. Uh, I cashed in the 500 points at the weekend with a copy of The Observer and a can of Diet Blue Bolt. Uh, let me see. Okay, I've got my receipt here. I'm 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 kind of getting wiser. I'm carrying two nectar vouchers on myself, uh, biding my time before I show my hand. I've got a treble your points one, which has to be used by the seventh of November. Almost used it on three diet blue bolt cans and two cans of basic tins of tomato soup, which would have been a waste. I thought, no, you know what? I can do better. Wait till I do a big shop. 
Um, I've got to uh, double your points one as well. I'm carrying a, a, a bag reuse with me all the time, plastic bag, so that would give me a point or two, I think. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm getting my form together on this Nectar Point stuff, learning the lessons. Um, I think it's important after you cash your 500 points that you hit the ground running. You know, do some good purchases early on, get your points totals uh, back up. Sadly, only four points uh, earned today on a miserly... Uh, uh, with some miserly purchases, uh, Gouda slices, uh, two tins of basic tomato soup, and a, another can of a diet blue bolt, which has got me uh, through this show today. So just earned four points. Opening balance of 22, so I'm now on 26 points. You know what? I was in Asda the other day. They do basic tins of tomato soup, same uh, price as Sainsbury's, but they have a photograph of the soup on the uh, on the wrapping on the tin. You know, Sainsbury's should follow suit. They should act like they care. I'm not ashamed to be buying basic tinned uh, uh, tomato soup. Sometimes I sketch out the soup on the tin, colour it in red, just just to make me feel better, just to make me feel I'm buying a good quality uh, soup. Uh, quick story before I go. Steve Jobs' sister uh, revealed that Steve Jobs' final words before, a, uh, before he passed away in front of his family last month were, I, uh, you know, and this is true, uh, oh wow, oh wow, oh wow. I think that's, uh, you know, that's pretty amazing. It makes it sound like a, that sound like a joyous experience. Uh, I'm certain mine are probably likely to be, oh f Yeah, I don't want to die. And I think I've got the right personality to live forever. Mentally, I'm very hard. I've overcome uh, loads of bereavements over the last 10, 11 years. I've done the eulogies. I've witnessed people dying. I've closed their mouths. I've close their eyes, wipe their tears, and I keep walking, I keep going on, I keep a close circle of friends, I think if I lived forever, I'd, I'd, I'd maintain, I'd maintain that, keep a close circle of friends, don't need to have too many friends, be swapping like for like, I think it'd be probably crucial that I find IT support to cover for Martin, you know, Martin will be gone, everyone else will be gone, everyone that I know will be gone, but uh, I wouldn't compare I try not to compare the new IT support, the future IT support from, say, 25, 22 to, to, to Martin. Um, I try to avoid getting IT support that looked like Martin. It would be too much like these, uh, you know, Count Dracula films where uh, he takes a fancy to some woman because she reminds him of uh, his old bride from 500 years earlier. It wouldn't be that kind of scenario. But what I'm saying is I am enough of a loner to live forever. I could handle it. I'm, I'm hard enough to handle it. I really could. I want to live forever. I want to live forever. I want to see if this improves. I want to see if this gets better. I want to see what my IT equipment is like in a few hundred years' time. I want to see, you know, does, will anyone have picked up this podcast? Will it be sponsored? Will I will I break back into the iTunes charts? Uh, talking of which, please rate and review the show on iTunes. Follow the show Twitter at 1607WestEgg. Email DRT at WestEgg1607.co.uk. Uh, join the uh, Daniel Rose Tyson podcast group on Facebook as well. Uh, ask to join. I'll accept your request. Uh, I am now off to try and find uh, a casserole dish. Until then, I'm Daniel Rose Tyson. I think you know. I'm never going bald. Next week, people. Next week. Thank you.